0: Yes, happy Palm Sunday, everybody. I hope that you guys are ready for what is about to happen on tonight. Thank you guys so much for joining me week after week, Thursday after Thursday, and Sunday after Sunday, and this one here, this is it. This this particular message that we have for you on tonight, I believe is going to be absolutely powerful and divine and to give you a kingdom perspective. I don't even listen. Go ahead and take your screenshot. Tag us. Let us know where you are in the world and how this Heart Rehab series has been blessing your life. Because I'm a man on a mission. Usually I like reading the foundational text and praying and giving a confession. But I just want to get straight to it. I want to skip past all the preliminaries, all the platitudes, and all the introductory declarations. And let's get to work on tonight. So let's pray. God, you are awesome. You are wonderful, you are marvelous and we thank you for allowing us to have this time where we could come together. Where we could come together and we could feast in your word and feast on your word. I pray God that you remind us on tonight after we hear this message that we have been created to be kingdom. It is not your will for us to live normal, typical, mundane or average lives, but we have been called to be heaven's billboard. I thank you that you anoint my lips to be the PA system of heaven. All this study means absolutely nothing if you are magnified and if you are not glorified. We don't preach opinions. We preach doctrine. It is in your precious son's name we pray. In Jesus' name. And everybody who agrees with that prayer, would you put in the room? Amen. Amen. Yes, this is virtual, but we're striving to make it personal. You don't have the right to remain silent. Amen. Amen. And while you're putting amen, there is a confession that I want everybody under the sound of my voice to put in the room in all caps. You know how I do. I just firmly believe in the power of speaking over yourself. So can I get everybody to say this and then also put this confession in the room? I refuse to swim in the pool of normal living, I was made for the ocean of kingdom impact. Let's say it again. I refuse to swim in the pool of normal living. I was made for the ocean of kingdom impact. Who cares if they rejected you from their pool? You have been built for oceans. And I want to give you a perspective on tonight to remind you that you have been created to be kingdom. So there's there's three biblical scenarios that I want you to see. The first one is in the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 2, verse 3. It says, Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. First of all, who rips open roofs? <laughs> who? Who? Could you just imagine how distracting and how disruptive it was? For while Jesus is preaching, like it's one thing to holler out, amen. It's another thing to holler out, hallelujah. It's something else to holler out, you better preach, sir. It's a whole nother thing when you are interrupting a service due to vandalism. (laughs) These guys are ripping open this man's roof. I don't know who the homeowner was. I've always wondered why didn't the Bible include that? How was the homeowner feeling when he had hosted Jesus for a tour stop and in the middle of the sermon, he sees he he sees his roof getting torn open. <laughs> These men didn't care. The normal thing to do would have been to see it is too crowded and give up. That 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 was that should have been the normal response. It is too crowded. There are too many people in here. I'm sorry, bro. We tried. We really tried. I know I told you while we were walking up the hill that today you're going to get your miracle. Today you're going to meet Jesus. I know I told you that, but it's too crowded. We have to figure out what is Jesus' itinerary. Like, where is his next tour stop? Is he going to Judea? Is he going to Capernaum? I don't know where he's going next because the front row seats of wherever Jesus is speaking, they just seem to, like, fill up quickly. I'm sorry. We couldn't do it. These men in the text are the original founders of nosebleed seats. (laughs) Nosebleed seats. If you ever go to a sporting event, they have court-sized seats, and they have like row A, row B, row C, and way up at the top, there's something called nosebleed seats. Those are your cheapest tickets. Those are sometimes the most reasonable, most affordable tickets. These brothers are the founders of Nosebleed seats. They said, we're gonna go all the way to the top because you're gonna see Jesus today. You're, you're, You're going to see Jesus today. And I'm sitting here looking at this particular text and I know some of us may have not seen it this way, but I'm like, I need friends like that. I know. When you look at this passage, you probably don't see friendship, but I do. I need friends, number one, who know where to take me. I need friends who know where to take me. They didn't try to take him to the strip club to try to get him to be distracted from his paralyzed state. They didn't take him to the hookah lounge. They didn't take him to the bar. They didn't hand him dysfunction masked as advice. They didn't try to extend to to him what they thought would work. These were type of friends where we know where to take you. Do you have people in your life that know where to take you? And they didn't just take them to Jesus. They got them through because they could have walked up to the house saw it was crowded and just left him at the door. I need friends in my life that don't just pray for me, but when they pray, something happens. They know how to pray, and that prayer gets through. They took this man all the way to the top, and the text says that there were four men. Four. I'm like, my God, do do we need four people to, to balance the mat, or was this brother that heavy? I need friends that we are all gonna come together for a common cause, your healing. I need friends where we're all gonna come together. This is a group effort of getting you healed. This is a group effort of getting you whole. This is a group effort because real friends you can't convince to leave, but fake friends you can't convince to stay. I'm gonna say it again real friends you can't convince to leave, fake friends you can't convince to stay. Real friends will check up on you because they care about you. Fake friends will check up on you to see if they still have access to you. Did you hear me? Real friends check on you to see if how are you doing because we care for you. Fake friends check on you to see if they still have access to you. Real friends take your issues to the prayer closet. I understand what happened. You that kind of suspect, all right? It's just between me and you because love covers. It's between me and you. I'm going to take your issue to the prayer closet. Fake friends take your issues to social media. <laughs> See, it's, it's, it's this, this millennial and Generation Z generation. We, grow, we grew up in school roasting people, firing people up. Making fun of them. Like the awareness of bullying in school, of how we started here about being bullied so bad to where people will commit suicide. We grew up in that. The only difference is we just got a little older. We are still bullying people, but we do it in post form. Did y'all catch that? We bully them in post form. We do it on social media. And I've always wondered, how is it that you can have a gangster mouth but 911 fingers? <laughs> y'all pray for me. Excuse me. Y'all, y'all just pray for me. This brother had friends that knew where to take him. The normal thing to do would have been to see the crowd and to give up. But normal is overrated. There seems to be a marriage between miracles and radicals. The next biblical episode we see is in Luke chapter 18, verse 37. It says, they told him Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him. Look at this, y'all, the leaders, those he received his sight and followed Jesus. Please don't breeze past that because a lot of us, once we get our answered prayer, we unfollow Jesus because we were only following because of what we wanted. He got his sight and then followed Jesus and then praised God. While all the people, when all the people saw it, they also praised God. Hmm. Once again, we are seeing somebody being disruptive. Once again, we are seeing somebody interrupt the journey. They said, be quiet. We don't do that in this church. We, we don't shout like that in this church. We don't clap like that at this church. We don't run like that at this church. We, we don't do all of that. And these were the leaders. These were the leaders who were telling this individual to shut up and be quiet. All this man had to do, the normal thing to do, would have been to comply with the ushers. The normal thing to do would have been to comply with the greeters, to comply with the leaders. The text says those who led the crowd. The normal thing to do would have been to just follow those who were leading Jesus' crowd. But listen, never allow someone who doesn't have your need silence your praise. Never allow somebody who doesn't have your need silence your prayer life. You don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what it's like to not have sight. You don't know what it's like to not have peace. You never know somebody else's testimony so we don't judge them by the way they praise. Never allow somebody to silence you. Be quiet. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Shut up, bro. You're loud. Jesus, son of David. Have mercy on me. Be quiet. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and turned around. You know what I learned from this text? Sometimes your healing and you going to the next level is tied to who you don't listen to. Did y'all catch that? Can I get somebody to put in the room? I'm not even listening to you. I'm not even listening to you. Sometimes your wholeness is tied to who you stop listening to. Sometimes your deliverance is tied to who you stop listening to. And you can't care what people think. You can't care that your issues exposed. You can't care because they can't save me anyway. He recognized, "I I don't care what you think. I'm trying to reach out to Jesus. And Jesus stopped. Jesus stopped. I'm not listening to your lies. I'm not listening to your depression. I'm not listening to your false definition of success. I'm not listening to your false narrative of beauty. Sometimes going to the next level is tied to who you stop listening to. It would have been normal for this man to comply with the instruction of the leaders. But normal church family is overrated. There seems to be a marriage between miracles and radicals i'm gonna give you one more very popular biblical story luke chapter 8 verse 43 all of this is corroborating my claim verse 43 it says now a woman had a flow of blood for 12 years who has spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any and so she came from behind and touched the border of his garment, speaking of Jesus, and immediately her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the, the multitudes, they, they, they throng and press you. And you say, who touched me? In other words, Peter like, Lord, everybody touching you. And Jesus says, no, no, somebody touched me for I perceive that power. Has gone out from me. Now, when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, she declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said to her, Daughter, be of good cheer. It's the same thing that Jesus told the blind man Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Not only in this biblical text are we seeing the norm being violated. We are also seeing that this woman is breaking Mosaic law. It's not just a norm in violation. This woman right here is breaking Mosaic law, and we don't even know her name. All we know is this is a woman with the issue of blood. So many preachers before myself have looked at this text, and we all have identified her as a woman with 12 12 years of an issue, a woman with the flow of blood, a woman who has a menstrual cycle that never stops, a woman with the issue of blood. I think we need to pause right quick. And I want to give you another perspective. Is there anybody under the sign of my voice that is grateful, that God knows you by your name and not just your condition? All we know her by is that she's a woman with the flow of blood. But God doesn't just know you by your condition. He knows you by your name. He doesn't just know you as an alcoholic. He knows you by your name. He doesn't just know you as a substance abuse user. He knows you by your name. He doesn't just know you as an adulterer. He knows you by your name. Maybe this is why when he was wrestling with Jacob, he said, what is your name? I know your name, but have you lost? Your name and forgot who you are due to all your deceitful ways. I know your name. I know your name. This, this woman is breaking religious law because the Mosaic law defines this woman as ceremonially unclean. She knows what it's like to be quarantined. Yeah. She knows what it's like to practice social distancing. <laughs> because the text tells us in the Mosaic law, whatever she touched was unclean. Where she sat, where she laid on, wherever she was, if you were around her, you would have to be cashed out too. All of y'all are infected and unclean. The Mosaic law tells us if the unclean thing touches the clean thing, the, the, the clean thing now becomes unclean. But i told you before, Jesus, the embodiment of both testaments, switches it around to where if the unclean thing touches the clean thing, the clean thing makes the unclean now clean because he is a master's physician. That's not even my point. What, what boggles my mind about this particular text is verse 45. When Jesus says, who touched me? You got to think about this because Peter himself was stunned. He was like, Lord, everybody is touching you. What do you mean who touched me? And Jesus is showing me something so powerful. He's showing me you could be in my presence, but not abstract my power. All of y'all were in my presence, but somebody received something from me. Somebody touched me. This is not just a typical touch this was a touch of somebody who was desperate this was a touch of somebody who has reached their end this is a touch from somebody who said if this doesn't work today I don't know what else I'm gonna do this was a touch from somebody who was hemorrhaging in her body who is probably anemic because she constantly was losing blood I'm not a woman and I thank God I'm not but could you imagine ladies a menstrual cycle for 12 years No break, this particular person who touched me, it was a touch of faith. And it shows me something, y'all. This is the type of ministry that I want to have. There's something a little different about this church. There's something a little different. No, somebody in Houston touched me. I know that there are a lot of services, but they're desperate over there. They're hungry over there. They believe over there. They still believe in miracles over there. They pray over there. They fast over there. Somebody touched me. Somebody touched me. Now listen, the normal thing, the normal thing to do would have been to just follow the Mosaic law, follow the Mosaic law, or you know what else would have been normal? For her to get bitter over all the doctors. Because the Bible says that she had spent all her livelihood with physicians. What would have been normal would be for her to blame her trauma experiences on all the medical professionals, and she walks around with bitterness That would have been normal, but normal is overrated. There seems to be this marriage between miracles and radicals. I would like to speak from this thought, from this subject on tonight for this Heart Rehab series. Normal is overrated. Normal is overrated. It's overrated. Everybody put it in the room, all caps. Normal is overrated. Rated. What we are seeing through these three episodes is there is a congruent pattern. There is a marriage between miracles and radicals. It is, it is those who are willing to try. Those who are willing to take a risk, those who are willing to break the rules, those who are willing to believe in the power of God, those who are willing to believe in the word of God, those who are, belie- who are willing to believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. See, some of us, you have experienced so many disappointments that your disappointments have robbed your ability to dream. You don't even dream anymore due to the constant pattern of disappointment, disappointment, disappointment. Let down after let down has robbed your ability, has robbed your ability to even believe. And I'm preaching so passionately on tonight because I'm trying to get the people under the sound of my voice to understand. Stop letting yesterday's storm cause for you to miss today's sunlight. Open the curtain of expectation. Open the curtain of expectation. God can still do it. God still hears my prayers that the same God that did it for them is the same God that would do it for me. But we've been so disappointed and so let down we have no longer dreams. We don't dream anymore, nor do we have expectations. This, this message on tonight has been designed to cause for you to expand on the inside. Cause for you to expand on the inside because you were not cosmically created by God to live normal. Listen, y'all, listen. The cycle of normal. Normal. The cycle of normal has caused for us to reject fresh springs for polluted waters. (laughs) The cycle of normal living Mama lived like this. Daddy lived like this. My co-workers live like this. Everybody lived like this. My friends live like this. The cycle of normal has caused for us to reject fresh springs for polluted waters. Just because everybody drinks there doesn't mean that you should drink there and then turn around and label it an acquired taste. No, it's bitter. And the reason it's bitter is because your well is on another level. Preach Holy Spirit, your well is on a norm, another level. Normal living and normal mindsets capsules the miraculous. You were not created to live normal. So many of us, please hear me, so many of us have been sedated, sedated by the injection of normalcy. We don't have big dreams, we don't have big faith. We don't have big goals because I'm surrounded and I have been sedated by the injection of normalcy. So I can't even see what Jesus is trying to do in my life. It reminds me of when Jesus went to his hometown. The Bible says he could do no mighty works there except lay his hands on a few sick people. I'm thinking are we talking about the same miracle worker that was clearing out ERs in other villages the same miracle worker who was clearing out urgent care units but when he gets to his hometown he could do nobody works there except lay his hand on a few sick people could it be possible that you have gotten so used to not experiencing the miraculous that when miracle-working power comes in your way, you doubt it. They had a one-dimensional viewpoint of Jesus. This isn't Jesus, the Son of God. This is Jesus, the Son of Joseph. And since they did not honor him, please hear me, please hear me, unbelief is a miracle repellent. The people Jesus rebuked the most in the text were those who did not believe. Who did not believe. Unbelief is a miracle repellent. And this is the crazy thing. Bible says he left. (laughs) I'm looking at this, I'm like, okay, Uh, Jesus could do no mighty miracles there, except lay his hands on a few sick people, and then he left. This is this is the epidemic and the, the scary thing about this particular text. We know he left. Because Mark's gospel informs us that he did. But there are a lot of churches. I'm about to get in trouble. There are a lot of churches, marriages, communities, homes, and infrastructures where Jesus left a long time ago. And they don't even know it. He left. He could do no mighty works there. And he left. This is the crazy thing. I studied this. When he left... The text tells me he went to the desert, he went to Genesaret. he went to Tyre, he went to Bethsaida, he went to Capernaum, he went to Caesarea, he went to Philippi, he went to Mount Hermon, he went to Judea, he went to Judea, he went to Jericho, he went to Jerusalem, he went to Bethpage, he went to Gethsemane, he went to Calvary. But the text never informs us that Jesus went back. And please let us not try to have a theological debate. Oh, I was following you, but I disagree with that because God is everywhere. God is everywhere. See, see, that's what's wrong with y'all preachers. I disagree. God is everywhere. Come about he left. You're right. That's not totally incorrect, but it is incomplete because God is everywhere, but he's not everywhere the same way. Oh, I wish I could turn this sanctuary into a classroom. I wish I could turn this sanctuary to a classroom, and I would sit my happy self in the front row, raise my hand, and our conversation would go as follows. Professor Jesus will call on me. Yes, Mr. Flowers, do you have a question? I do, Lord. Could you please expound and break it down? What does it mean that you are everywhere, but you're not everywhere the same way? That is an excellent question. Let me school you really quickly. When I say I am everywhere, it means my awareness is everywhere. I am aware of everything that is going on in heaven and in earth. I am aware of everything that's going on in your galaxy and other galaxies. My awareness is everywhere. Oh, but my presence? And presence in the Greek is parousia. It means my arrival. My my, my presence. My presence, which means my arrival, the arrival of my glory and glory in Hebrew is kabod. So let's put this together. My awareness is everywhere but my Arrival in abundance comes by invitation only. <laughs> Did y'all hear what I just said? See, this is why you need to let Jesus school you. Jerry, sit down. Let Jesus do this. Yeah. My parousia, that is my arrival. And, and, and my glory in abundance, that is kabod. My awareness is everywhere. But my, my arrival in abundance comes by invitation only. Because whenever I come in the room, I always come in by invitation, never as an intruder. This is the difference between Satan and me. I knock, the enemy comes in wherever there's an open door. And I behoove you whenever you hear my knock, don't ignore my voice. This is powerful, y'all. Do you have Bible to corroborate your claim? I do. James chapter 4, verse 8. If you draw nigh to me, I feel myself getting happy. If you draw, to me, draw nigh to me, I will draw nigh to you. In other words, if you want to leave, I'll let you leave. Prodigal son all day. Give me my share of the inheritance. Here you go. If you want to leave, I'll let you leave. Oh, but if you want to be kept, I'm a keeper. If you want to be kept, I'm a keeper. God is a leader, not a dragger. He's a leader and not a dragger. And there's one thing I understand now. One thing I understand now is you can have more degrees than a thermostat. Go behind or before your name. You you could know how to have hermeneutics, accurate hermeneutics with theological surgical skills. But if there's no power there, If there's no oil there, if there's no anointing there, if there is no presence of God there, if my degrees are present, if my accolades are present, if my platform is present, if the lights are present, if the viewers are present, but my king is absent, all I will ever be is impressive, but I'll never be impactful. And I can't speak for any other ministry. I don't want to be impressive. I want to be impactful. I don't want my gift to take me somewhere where my character can't keep me. I want to be impactful. I need the power of the Holy Spirit to rid my life of unrighteousness and rid my life of wickedness and rid me from drooling over sewage instead of living water. I want God, every single time we have church, I want God to anoint my mouth so much so to where my tongue tongue is his paintbrush. And he could use it to accurately and artistically draw on the canvases of men's heart. I want the power of the Holy Spirit. That's not old school. That's biblical. And maybe this is an entity of my generation that is missing, the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't want normal. I don't want average. I don't want mundane. I don't want typical. You shouldn't want it either. I don't want a normal marriage. I want a kingdom marriage. I don't want a normal church. I want a kingdom church. You didn't come on here tonight to hear some message that has been plagiarized off Google. You want to hear a sound word from heaven. See, listen, y'all. I'm about to get on my soapbox. Sugar-coated messages cause for our soul to have cavities. Sugar-coated messages Causes for our soul and our faith to have cavities. Ooh, See, this is why many times if all you binge is sugar-coated messages, when you get a sermon with salt, it tastes like judgment. <laughs> Did you hear what I said? If you're used to sugar-coated messages and sugar-coated content, when you get one sermon that has some salt on it, it tastes like judgment versus sound doctrine. I was not created to live normal. You were not created to live normal. Ordinary clothes don't fit when you have been cosmically created by God to live for an extraordinary king. I don't want normal. Can I get everybody to put in the room? Normal is overrated. Normal is overrated. Normal is overrated. What normal tries to do is to hand you a role so that you could be a cast member in the film of average. <laughs> normal is overrated. Normal is overrated. Normal is overrated. It's normal for me to be stuck on the inside. Airplane mode of the soul. It is normal for me to be stuck on the inside due to what happened 6 years ago. That's normal, but normal is overrated. Normal is overrated. It's normal for me to be depressed and for me to be oppressed. That's normal, but normal it's overrated. It's normal for me to believe the lies of my inner critic instead of the affirmations from my wonderful counselor who goes by the name of the Holy Spirit. That's normal. But normal is overrated. Normal is overrated. It's normal for me to allow the spirit of fear to cause for me to be barren. And I never give birth to what God put on the inside of me due to all of my doubts. What if I were to tell you to start doubting your doubts? the spirit of fear keeping you barren is normal, but normal is overrated. It's normal for me to be an uninvolved father, for me to be an uninvolved mother. It's normal for me to curse people out. It's normal for me to, if you come at me some type of way, I'm going to come at you some type of way. It's normal for me to clap back. Normal is overrated. It's normal for me to have multiple sex partners, and I'm blinded. By the preference, I'm blindfolded by all of my preferences. Listen, y'all, is it possible that your preferences keep pressing decline to the call of purpose? Did you hear me? Is it possible for your preferences to keep pressing decline to the call of purpose? Or have you allowed your preferences to keep sending your obedience to voicemail? That's normal. But normal is overrated. Have you allowed a series of disappointments to cause for you to not even pray? I'm not even expecting mind-blowing grace. I'm not even expecting mind-blowing blessings. And I'm trying to convince somebody watching this message on tonight. Stop allowing disappointments to be your prophets. They're prophet liars. They're not sound prophets. Stop letting disappointments prophesy over your tomorrow. Normal is overrated. Normal is overrated. Y'all have to excuse me on the night. I, I just believe that there is a people under the sound of my voice who also believe I was not created. I was not born in time to pay bills and die. Is there anybody? If Don't leave me out here. If that's you, holler at your boy. You talking to me, sir. I, I just firmly believe I was not cosmically created by God to be born, pay bills, and die. I don't want average. I don't want typical. There is a next level on the inside of you. There is a next level on the inside of you. But watch this. Average living will cause for you to choose spaces and places that require for you to leave the next level version of yourself behind. Did y'all catch that? There's a next level version of you on the inside of you. But average living will require for you to leave that next level version of yourself behind. Behind to keep that boyfriend, you got to have that next level version of you. You got to leave that at the door. Yeah, yeah. To 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 be able to go over there, that's going to require for you to leave that next level version of yourself at the door. This is so good, y'all. Normal is over rated. I don't need sugar-coated content. Normal is trying to get me to be a cast member in the film of average, which will cause for me to start auditioning for roles that are beneath my purpose. But I feel like we have a cancel the audition anointing on the night. Cancel the auditioning anointing on tonight. Once again, don't miss it. Average living and normal living wants to hand you a role for you to learn so that you can be a cast member in the film of average, and you'll start auditioning for a part that is beneath your column. And I think we need to cancel the audition on tonight. The pattern of depression, let's cancel it. The pattern of comparison, let's cancel it. Somebody say, cancel the audition. I'm fired up on it tonight y'all. Cancel the audition. Kingdom living is abnormal to culture. Kingdom living, don't miss this, kingdom living is abnormal to culture. And what is abnormal to culture is normal to kingdom. So, so what is kingdom living? I was asking for God. I said, God I need you to give me Give me a definition. How can I break this down where it's notable, where people could, people could retain this? What does it mean to live kingdom? And I believe he answered my request. Kingdom living is to live life with Scripture as the highest authority, love my greatest quality, evolution and evangelism as the main priority. Did y'all hear me? I'm going to say it one more time. Kingdom living is when I live life Where scripture is my highest authority, love, my greatest quality, evolution and evangelism as the main priority. Those are the three core values of what it means to be kingdom. The first core value of what it means to be kingdom. Scripture has the highest authority. Scripture's boss. It don't matter what you think, what does the word of God say about it? Scripture's boss. We don't have a Jesus menu. You know what a Jesus menu is, right? It is when you customize and you copy and paste the, the, biblical, the version of Jesus that you want that's unbiblical. We don't have a Jesus menu. We have all 66 books that we're living by, and it is my highest authority. Second one is love is my, my greatest quality. How are you going to say that you carry the message of hope? And you're a follower of Jesus, but you mean. Some of the meanest people, look at my face looking. Some of the meanest people I have ever met are Christians. They look like this all the time, like something stinks something irritates you? Something is always getting on your nerves? Are you happy that your name is written in the Lamb Book of Life? Are you happy that you're carrying the kingdom of heaven on the inside of you? Are you happy that God covered all your faults and all your failures and all your shortcomings? Are you happy that God has a hope for you? He has a plan for you? He has a future for you? Does that give you any sense of joy? Sometimes you gotta find the joy. If you're just walking around looking stink like somebody has bad breath, it's so bad that you smell it through a mask. Sometimes that you have to start finding the joy. God God, I thank you for my sound mind. I thank you for my strength. I thank you for my health. I may not be the wealthiest person in the world, but I have some food downstairs in my refrigerator. Thank you, God, for running the water. Find the joy. <laughs> Find the joy. How do we have mean Christians? You can speak in tongues, but you can't use that same tongue to speak to your sister. where do they do that at, though? Okay, let me get, let me get back on my notes. So, so I, want, I want to give you some, some biblical references. That I believe shows us kingdom living. Matthew chapter 6 verse 25. It says, therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. This is kingdom. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body. What you will put on is not life more than food and body more than clothing. Look at the birds. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable? Are you not much more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add a cubit to his stature? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after all these things, look at this, the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. He said, kingdom living, you don't worry. This is messing somebody up. Kingdom living. You don't live a life worried what's going to happen. We're in a pandemic. Oh, my God. I don't know where we're going to go. Say, listen, God knows what you need. God knows about your mortgage. God knows about your children. God knows that you need to eat. He knows that you need money to pay your bills. Look at the birds of the air. They're taken care of. I believe while Jesus was giving this sermon, they could literally see lilies in the field. He's like, look over there at them. You see how beautiful they are? God clothed them, and they're going to be here today and gone tomorrow. You don't think God cares about you more than these flowers, these lilies of the field? Kingdom living is what I trust. God got me. Can I get somebody to put that in the room? God got me. We're using Ebonics, not God has me. God got me. God got me. He knows what I'm going through. They talking behind my back. God got me. I don't know how we're going to pay the rent. It's not because I'm reckless with my spending. It's because I've been furloughed. God got me. I don't know how I'm going to get into this room. I feel as though I need to get in this room for whatever God needs me to do. God got me. Whatever you're facing, I need you to know if you live a kingdom life, you have the God factor. And the God factor is God got me. So now listen, listen. This this is one of the ways you could identify when God is trying to level you up. This was a few years ago before the pandemic. I was here in Houston, Texas. It was roughly 84 degrees. So I'm getting dressed. I'm getting dressed because I have a flight and I'm going to Minneapolis. Now, my sister doesn't know it, but I'm putting on my coat I'm putting on my scarf. At that time, Minneapolis was like, I think, 21 degrees. Now, for Houstonians, 45 is cold, 50. Right now, I have one of my uh, church mothers in the church. She said it's cold outside. It's like 61 degrees. (laughs) For us, like cold for us, we're not used to it. That little Arctic invasion that happened a few weeks ago, that was cold, cold. So I'm going to Minneapolis, wind chill factor of negative whatever number. And she's like, boy, why are you dressed like that? You're going to be hot. I was sweating like this when I was getting dressed, and she was laughing at me. And I said, I'm not dressed for where I am. I'm dressed for where I'm going. Right now, I look like I don't fit in because I'm not staying in this atmosphere. And one of the signs that God is calling for you to live kingdom is when you start to get hot in certain circles. You start to get hot in certain atmospheres. It's because God is saying you have a garment that is for a whole nother atmosphere than where you are right now. So the reason you're so uncomfortable is because you're in an atmosphere that doesn't match where I'm taking you. It is the indication of heat of you being in a place that you have outgrown. I'm just trying to suggest to somebody watching this message on tonight. Just like you could outgrow clothes, you could also outgrow people. On the air, in the airport, sweating. On the plane, I was comfortable. <laughs> and sometimes we have to recognize the reason you're so uncomfortable is because, yes, you have been kingdom sealed, but you're trying to live common ways. I need you to, I need you to, to upgrade. I'm trying to take you to another level. Now, I didn't really recognize this before I started flying. This was years ago. I was probably like 21, 22. I didn't really recognize the importance of time zones. I didn't. so it's like right here in Houston, Texas, we have central time. I wasn't aware that in California, they have Pacific time. And then over in New York, they have Eastern time. So right now, I'm so used to this central time. And I got on the plane. This was before they kind of had like Wi-Fi and all those type of things. And they said this statement. They said, everybody who has cell phones, laptops, you have to put your laptops away. And if you have cell phones, put them on airplane mode. So I put my cell phone on airplane mode. I landed in Florida. Florida was still Eastern time. I landed in Florida real late. It was like one o'clock. I got on the shuttle, went straight to the hotel, was knocked out. I had a session in the morning. I wasn't preaching anything. I was attending a conference, and as I got dressed in the morning, I went down to the session. I thought I was early. I'm like, "Why is everybody here?" I thought I was going to get me a good seat. It's packed. I hear the speaker going on, and I recognize I never took, I never took my cell phone off of airplane mode. So I had a time that caused for me to go to another place, and I was late. You don't even recognize normal living causes for you to be late it causes there are certain places God's been trying to take you for years I don't know why you saw 2021 well actually we got humbled 2020 humbled us I didn't hardly see anybody posting 2021 is my year but before 2021 let's say 2019 into 2020 everybody was saying it's my year it's my time God's like listen it was your year four years ago I was ready to do this in 2016 Could you have gotten so used and so accustomed to normal living that it has you live a life on airplane mode? And you're behind behind and God said, I'm I'm trying to get you mature because there's a people I need you to lead. I'm trying to develop you because there's a people you need to reach. But when you hang around circles that think immaturity is cool versus challenge you to mature up, you'll live a life. You'll live life on airplane mode. Constantly being late. I wonder how in the world did I miss this? Normalcy causes for you to live on airplane mode. And this is the crazy thing. God is not on any time zone. (laughs) It, It don't matter how much you try to set it. God is not on any time zone. And this is something I'm learning about prayer. Prayer is not so that we can inform God of our will. And change God to change His will. Prayer is where God changes our will to match His will, so we can live a life in His will. A lot of us, you constantly feel like, man, I'm behind. I'm I'm running late. I I got I gotta figure out how in the world how in the world is is this what God is trying to do in this season? Is Is this what God is trying to do in this season? God doesn't live in time, but the way that you can stay on Heaven's timeline is by living kingdom. It's so powerful. And living life average keeps you on airplane mode. You'll always be behind. And the second thing I thought was so powerful was this is the danger of comparison. You trying to compare what somebody's doing in L.A. versus what you're supposed to be doing in Florida. Well, they're at a different time zone than you. So whatever God is doing in their time zone is what he's doing on his clock for them. And whatever God is doing on their time zone is what he's doing in his time and for them. You can't try to match your life on somebody else's time zone. This is so powerful, y'all. So how do we engage in kingdom living? Kingdom living. Scripture is my highest authority. Love, my greatest quality evangelism and evolution this means constantly growing is my main priority point number one normal living is what I want that's normal kingdom living is what God wants going fast because I'm out of time number two normal living is a life of hoarding kingdom living is a life of giving I can't wait till we all get back in the sanctuary because we're going to have a battle I'm going to have the whole left side. When God blesses me, it's for me to bless you. When God blesses you, it's for you to bless them. When God blesses me, it's for me to bless you. When God blesses you, it's for you to bless them. God never favors a person for that person. He always favors a person for a people. When you get wealth, when you get a raise, a lot of us, you got your stimmy, your stimulus chair. A lot of us, when you get wealth or increased possessions, it is not so that you can heighten your fence. It's so that you can lengthen your table. You don't get arrogant about your blessing or your race. This is a kingdom mindset. When God blesses me, it's for me to bless you. When God blesses you, it's for you to bless them. And if kingdom people had that kingdom mindset, we wouldn't suffer lack. We wouldn't suffer lack. Now, those who are reckless, that's not kingdom either. Everything you have is loaned to you, you're just a steward over your children, your car, all of those are loans. God is our master. Normal living is a life of hoarding. Kingdom living is a life of giving. Number three, normal living is a life of me choosing. Kingdom living is a life of prayer before choosing. Did y'all catch that? Normal living is a life of me choosing. Kingdom living is a life of prayer before choosing. So this is my motto. I will always seek God's direction before my selection. Because sometimes I can't tell traps are playing dress-ups. Every opportunity is not a God-open door. Hell opens doors too. I always seek direction before selection. Number four, normal living, I go off of preference. Kingdom living, I go off of purpose. Normal living, I go off of preference. Kingdom living, I live in purpose. And purpose is the existence, is the reason for the existence of a thing. So when I make choices, is this choice conducive for my purpose? Is this relationship conducive for my purpose? Am I spinning this to make me look good or to make him look good? Kingdom mindset, I'm always thinking King glory first. The last one, number five. Normal living, I desire to be accepted. Kingdom living is knowing I've been chosen. A lot of us, when you live a normal life, you will end up seeking validation from people who aren't even valid. And I just felt led on a night to come together and this heart rehab series. A lot of us need rehab because we've been trying to be normal. You're not called to be normal. We don't want normal church. I don't want normal. I don't want average. I want God to do extraordinary things in my life. And I want God to do extraordinary things in your life. I want us to heal. I'm not up here just trying to preach things to go viral. I want us to experience health. I want a healthy church. Because inflammation swells too. Just because there are a lot of people doesn't mean it's healthy. I want health. And may God cause for us to recognize that what is normal to culture is abnormal to kingdom. And what is abnormal to to culture is normal to kingdom. God, would you help us to change our mind on what we call normal. You did not cosmically create us to pay bills and to die, to go to school and to die. Would you help us be purpose? people people who live in purpose on purpose for the purpose of showing off our king and god we repent right now for allowing social media the voices of others to be a higher voice of authority in our life let let us humble ourselves to where the word of god is our highest authority we don't want normal because normal is overrated We want abnormal so that we can make you look good. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.